Hello and welcome to the Wildflower Half Hour. This is a podcast all about wildflowers. I'm Isabel Hardman and while my day job involves getting stuck in the weeds of Westminster, outside work I'm happiest when I'm looking at plants. I'm part of Wildflower Hour, which runs every Sunday night between 8 and 9pm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Quite simply, people share photos of the wildflowers they found that week in Britain and Ireland. We regularly trend on social media, filling the internet with flowers, not fights. There's a group of us behind Wildflower Hour, and you'll be getting to know many of these botanists throughout these shows. This is the first episode of the second series, and you'll have a new one to listen to every fortnight. Quite a lot has changed since the first series, not least how far afield we can travel to look at wild plants while lockdown restrictions continue. But we have also had the delight of seeing more people noticing just how many plants are around them in their local areas. And that includes plants that are usually seen as weeds. Sophie Legil is a botanist on a mission to get more people into the weeds on their streets. And I caught up with her about her campaign called More Than Weeds. So Sophie, what is More Than Weeds? Well, More Than Weeds, um, as the name may not say, is a project um, aimed at, um, you know, bringing weeds to life. Usually when we say the word weed, um, you know, we think about plants that grow at the wrong place, plants that are annoying us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want people to see weeds differently, um, see them as, you know, plants that have um, a role in our lives, um, a role in our, in our nature, in our ecosystem. Um, so it's, it's it, yeah, it's basically a project to celebrate the weeds, raise awareness on, you know, why we potentially need to, to preserve them. Um, and also make people realise, you know, that they're all around us, um, because so many people, you know, you just walk past on a pavement, on a wall, and you don't necessarily, you know, look at them. So um, I think, yeah, that, that's kind of, you know, the idea behind the project is is to ra- raise awareness. And what um, kind of things have you been doing as part of that? Um, well, I've been doing all sorts of things. So I kind of launched a project last year with... Um, a, a newspaper article um, and I was chalking so writing plant names on pavements uh, which is illegal in the UK um, so I had to you know get the um, authorization from from a council in London to do it uh, but really it seems to have you know captured the imagination because people have started doing it all around um, all around the UK and even you know elsewhere in the world which I find amazing you know my that my little project kind of kick-started this this love for weeds <laughs> Um, so I've been, you know, giving talks and doing all sorts of activities. I wanted to do, you know, more walks and more kind of interactive activities, but it's been difficult with COVID. So hopefully one day. <laughs> yeah, one, one day we'll all manage to meet again. So you were writing plant names on the pavement next to those plants, which people previously would have overlooked as weeds. And this was right in the middle of lockdown, wasn't it? So people weren't really able to go very far official nature places like they would normally do and so you were really pointing out the nature that was right at their feet yeah and it was amazing you know the the response I got to it after the article you know which was quite widely shared Mm. um and you know I had emails from people saying you know for the first time I'm actually looking at you know the nature in my neighborhood because previously as you say you know they would just have taken a car or public transport gone to a park but they were forced, you know, and also people were forced to do things like queuing in front of a shop. 
And, you know, I had email of people saying, oh, I've been queuing in front of this shop and I've been noticing, you know, I queue every couple of days and I'm noticing this flower kind of unfurling and opening. And, you know, this is the sort of relationship with nature that people have a bit lost in, in cities. You know, you, you may go to a park, um, you know, but that's not the same as, as looking at your, you know, your nature, the nature in your neighborhood. And especially if you don't have a garden, you know, I had people saying to me, Oh, it's it's really great. You know, I'm watching those plants grow and it's um it's kind of connecting me to the season, you know, spring and then summer. So I think the fact that the project launched during the lockdown made made a difference. And also the fact that many councils, because of the lockdown, didn't spray. So usually those plants, you know, would have been sprayed by the time we, we were in, in, in lockdown. So actually people realized that you could you could have nature, you could have plants growing on the pavement. Uh, they have never realized that because usually, you know, they get removed so quickly. So um, it made a big difference, I think. Um, and, you know, it's I think it's kickstarted campaigns around the UK, which I find really, really nice. And so we are hopefully going to be emerging from COVID restrictions over the next few months. Finally, how are you going to harness the enthusiasm that people felt when they didn't have very much to do or very many places to go? and keep it going so that people continue to love weeds, perhaps even persuade their councils not to spray weed killer the whole time, maybe uh, even starting to chalk and to try to, to get permission from their councils so that they can point out some of the interesting pavement plants in their areas. I think the campaigning element is, is particularly important. And, you know, so even in autumn, I started, you know, some councils started respraying. And, you know, I had people um, emailing me saying, my council has got to spray tomorrow. You know, what can I do? And and so I think it, it, it has, you know, raised awareness and made people more aware that something should be done, that potentially, you know, there is a way of um, talking to the local council. So, um, you know, for the images that I took and, and when I was talking plot names, I did that, that in Hackney in London, but I asked, you know, for permission. And people keep saying, you know, what could we do to raise awareness? And obviously, you know, every part of the UK is, is different. But for example, you know, starting a discussion with your local council or even a private owner, you know, I've, I've had people um, chalking plant names in supermarket car parks, you know, uh, which can be really, really interesting, you know, <laughs> it's the sort of place people overlook. But, you know, just a little plant name chalk may, makes people, you know, kind of notice them and, and think, oh, you know, what's that plant? Oh, it's called this. I had no idea, for example. So I think it's it's very much that campaigning angle, which I'm I'm hoping to continue. Obviously, I think travel is going to be difficult, but I'm hoping to be doing you know uh, guided walks, uh, you know in 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 London uh, particularly, um, especially central London. You know there are plants all around, but you just don't kind of notice them. <laughs> so it's about finding little <laughs> those those little tiny. You might agree that yes, there are you know there are plants growing in the pavement cracks, but they are weeds and. They are a bit boring. They're, you know, lots of members of the cabbage family, like Shepherd's Purse, or I'm, I'm talking to you with a background. I think you've got some uh, some wild mustard behind you on yes. your background. <laughs> now, obviously, as botanists, we get very excited by, you know, we get excited by sedges, and lots of members of the public do not. And some of these plants aren't that exciting. Or am I wrong? Well, <laughs> they might not be visually exciting, but they may have um, an interesting, you know, story. Um, if you look at plantain, you know, it's a typical, obviously, weed of, of lawns. People complain, you know, they're growing lawns. Um, you can occasionally find them on pavements. 
And this is a plant, you know, which doesn't look particularly exciting. It doesn't have a pretty, colorful flower, you know, but it has a role in um, cleaning the air, for example. And I think, you know, capturing people's attention, showing them, you know, all the diversity of, of roles of plants. I mean, obviously, something which has got, you know, large flowers is going to be useful to pollinators. And I think people are more aware, you know, that they're aware in the past about insects and bees and things like that. Uh, but there are also other roles which people, you know, don't suspect. Um, a moss, for example, is, is, is a really good one. You know, it grows on walls. People think it damages the walls. But actually, um, you know, it's being used in, in, in other cities and other parts of the world to, to clean the air. And this is the sort of thing, you know, what I've been I've, as I've been, you know, publishing a lot of tweets and about the, the project and giving talks. And people are, you know, not not um, they're not aware of those things. You know, we see plants as growing around us. We know plants from, you know, trees and cities. You know, they decorate, they clean the air. And we know plants that we eat, you know, edible, vegetable, things like and fruits. But we don't realize, you know, all the other roles that plant may have for us because we, we're not, you know, we're not taught about them, I think. So hopefully, you know, showing people that a plant may not look like much, but it may have, you know, another role or it may actually have a role um, in, in, you know, in, um, in the ecosystem. Um, I think, it, um, yeah, it could really help. And especially, you know, if the idea is potentially to get some councils um, to be more relaxed about those plants. Um, you know, some people, some councils have already started to, you know, reduce the amount of spraying they do um, to make people accept them a bit more. And I think, you know, if you show people why they need to be accepted, they're more likely to do it. Certainly, this is what happened in um, in France, um, which is why, you know, how more than we kind of started. It was because I was inspired by a project over there. And so the French are starting to love a sort of scruffier urban aesthetic where you've got plants coming out of the cracks in the pavement and they're not firing off letters to their local authorities saying you know you've got to spray these these are weeds they're they're terrible yeah I think yeah I mean in, in the UK it's it's one of the reasons you know why some councils spray the pavement why they mow the lawn so short you know in parks is because they get complaints in France it's a bit diff different you, you had complaints but the the government banned pesticide use on public spaces so the councils basically had no choice you know they had to accept uh, more plants or ask you know the residents to pay more tax to you know remove those plants and the funny thing is they they kind of turn it around many councils in France have said you know it's normal um, so they make campaigns in Lyon, for example, quite a big city, you know, millions of people, um, inhabitants, not a tiny village. They actually made a campaign, um, you know, to say we have plants on the pavement. This is perfectly normal. Life is coming back. So kind of putting a positive spin on pavement plants, which are seen as weeds and dirty, uh, which I found really, you know, really interesting. Some of the cities have been making weed trails. So, you know, making little signboards to show people around and, and teach people. So it's it's kind of a, a an evolved version of, um, you know, pavement chalk. <laughs> so I think there are lots of, you know, things that could be done. And also, we, we, you know, we, we keep saying we need to educate people about nature. And I think it's such a fantastic opportunity. You don't need to go to the countryside. You can just walk in your street. <laughs> and so what sort of street plants might people be able to find quite easily? What what are the common ones? And what are the exciting ones as well? Well, well, this is one thing, you know, with pavement plants. Obviously, you have the, you know, the the, the lots of common one, um, you know, ground saw, uh, the bitter cresses, uh, tiny white, you know, white plant with low grass at the moment, quite, you know, spring. Uh, but you never know what you may find 
um, you know, obviously <laughs> look around me in, in, in London, kind of walk around. And, you know, you can't say this is what I'm going to see because sometimes you have a garden plant coming. One I, I, I quote very often in my talks is um, plants coming from hanging baskets, especially around pubs, you know, tiny LCs that, that sprout in the pavement. So it's going to be you know, going to be ornamental, you know, flowers uh, from the hanging basket and they germinate the year after. Uh, you know, after after winter, so you 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 know you can't you can't be um can't say oh I'm going only going to see boring plants, uh, because there's always you know surprises and things that you might you know not know where they are. So yeah, I think it's it's part of their beauty. <laughs> They're rebellious. <laughs> What's the best thing that you've found? Oh, I, I always get that question. Possibly in my streets, naval words which, um, you know, you kind of associate with um, old churchyards, wars in, in humid parts of, um, of the country. And I've actually found it in uh, between tree roots in my street. Um, and it's becoming more and more common in London. I think, you know, that's one of the interesting thing about them is they, they kind of spread around, you know, they move. They, they have a life of, of their own somehow. Um, and I found that quite fascinating, you know, the fact that you see a plant one, one year in, in one place and then another year in another. Um, it's kind of another world around us, which we don't realise. <laughs> Thanks, Sophie. Now, what's your favourite flower? I know it's a difficult question. And if you're anything like me, you'll have a list of at least seven for each month. But I've decided to torture people by making them choose just one favourite plant to tell us about. We'll hear from a couple of friends of Wildflower Hour each episode, starting today with Chris Packham. I'm haunted by my favourite wildflower for the very simple reason that I've never seen it. It's uh, quite widespread. You'll find it across Europe, Western Asia, Himalayas, Tibet, Siberia, China, through to Japan. But wherever it occurs, it does so at very low densities and only then unpredictably. It was first spotted in the UK in the 1850s. It put on quite a show in the 1920s through to the 50s from time to time. And then in the 1980s, when I became aware of the plant and wanted to see it, it showed up again in Buckinghamshire, and there seemed some hope that I might one day bump into one of these plants. But then it disappeared until 2009, when it was rediscovered. It was presumed extinct. I'm talking, of course, about the ghost orchid, this amazing, amazing plant. You know, those lovely violet-tinged hoods, drooping green petals, lacking in chlorophyll, crows in the darkest woods, incredibly difficult to find. It was an amazing story in Lang's Book of Orchids that I had many years ago about a fellow who'd been searching for these plants for many years and had no luck. And then he sat down on the log to clean out his pipe. And when he looked down at the ground, there at his feet, was one of these remarkable orchids. It was a, a dream come true. I can't imagine how he might have felt. And of course, in recent years, the Ghost Orchid Project has orchestrated searches for them. But um, dependent as they are on fungi, and given that we don't know exactly what causes them to bloom, we think they might appear more frequently after very cold winters. Um, There's just so little to go on that they are somewhere lurking in the shadows of the Chilterns and the Welsh borders. I'm not entirely sure I'm ever get, going to get to see one, but 
the dream lives on. And sometimes I think it's important to have those those dreams. Things need to be beyond our reach. We need romance in biology and botany to keep us going. But, you know, if my phone ever rings and someone says, come quick, no one will come any quicker. Thanks, Chris. And good luck finding that plant. Hopefully you'll have more luck with the plants in our weekly challenges, which start this weekend. Rebecca Wheeler runs Wildflower Hour and is also in charge of the challenges, which makes her a busy lady to whom we are all so grateful. She's here now to tell us about what you need to get looking for next. Every Sunday, we share pictures of the wild and naturalised plants we have found blooming in the past week. If you are new to Wildflower Hour, you may not know that from the beginning of March to the end of September, we also have a weekly challenge. A bit like a botanical treasure hunt, we ask you to look out for something new each week. It could be plants from a particular family, or to find plants that are blooming in a certain habitat. For many of us during lockdown, wildflowers have been our solace. But have you noticed the little plants that have crept unbidden into your outdoor spaces? Well, for the first challenge, we are asking you to do just that. Have a look around your gardens, planters, driveways, or even the pavement outside your home for those wildflowers that have arrived by themselves. Share your photographs for Wildflower Hour this Sunday using the hashtag close to home. For the following Sunday, the 7th of March, the challenge will be white brassicas. For this, we would like you to find white flowering members of the cabbage family. To help you for this challenge, excitingly, we will be launching a new crib sheet by the wonderful nervous botanist, Moira O'Donnell. So keep an eye out for that and happy flower hunting. Thanks so much, Rebecca. And I've absolutely loved finding common whitlow grass in bloom on the pavements near my home this past week. And I'm really looking forward to seeing photos of what's in bloom for everyone else. Here's another favourite flower from BBC presenter, Martha Carney. Well, this time of year, it's easy to pick snowdrops or celandine and other harbingers of spring. But actually, I'm going to look ahead to summer because I really love the flowers in the Centauria family. The bright blue of cornflowers, the mauves and purples of knapweed. I'm trying to grow them myself, actually, because they're so good for bees and other pollinators. Thanks, Martha. And if you want to know more about snowdrops, you should go back to episode seven in series one of this podcast, where I interviewed Professor Mick Crawley about where they really come from. Now, finally, each episode, we are going to go on an adventure with Leif Bersweden. You might know him as one of the friendly botanists who pops up to tell you what the mystery plant is that you found, or as the author of The Orchid Hunter. He's been out and about in his local area looking for plants in bloom. Hello everyone, my name's Leif and I've been asked a regular slot on this podcast and after thinking about it for a while I decided it'd be fun to take you with me on some of my botanical adventures this year. Now this might not work at all, <laughs> might be a complete disaster, uh, you might just get bored of me just walking around chatting to myself basically. But what would be really nice is that we're starting in the winter so over the course of this series we'll really see the seasons start to change um, as winter morphs into spring and then into summer. 
Now I know many of you listening will be avid plant hunters already, but I'm hoping that there will be some of you who have never thought twice about a daisy in the lawn or I don't know why trees lose their leaves in the autumn. So what I want to do is just take you with me on some of my walks um, and uh, basically just talk to you about the plants that I find and the places that I visit. So I hope this sounds good and you enjoy it, particularly if it's hard for you to get outside or you're in need of some botanical inspiration. I got some really, really exciting trips lined up for this year uh, to look at some really cool wildflowers. So hopefully it should be quite fun. So I thought I'd start by taking you on a little loop around my local area and sharing a little bit about what I found in the last couple of weeks. So I'm currently walking down a quiet little street towards the river. It's about seven o'clock in the morning and it's really, really cold. Um, but I want to take you down to the floodplain meadows because there's some really cool winter botany going on down there. And I want to go back to some hazel that I found the other day to see if it's flowering. It's early February, so there are lots of cold mornings at the moment. The kind that make it very difficult to get out of bed, but then they're so, so worth it when you're outside. The sky at the moment is this amazing pale blue colour. I think I have about half an hour until the sun comes up and it's really quiet. Such a beautiful morning. Just the robins, the magpies, and the occasional jogger for company. I've just turned onto this little lane which slopes down to the river. And on either side of me, there are little patches of snowdrops and some golden yellow winter aconites, plants that have escaped naturally from gardens, but they're these little reminders during the colder months that spring isn't too far away. The first stirrings of botanical life again, that promise of the season to come. And another of those, of course, is hazel. And if I'm not wrong, I should be about to find some any minute now. Uh, as you can probably hear, I've just reached the river and I'm crossing over a series of little footbridges. The river's flooded with all the recent snow and rain and all around me, the meadows are basically more water than meadow at the moment. And it's just this great big sea of water. But just over here, I found some hazel the other day, which I'm hoping is now in flower. So I'm just going to wander along this little path here. Hazel is what we call a monoecious plant. And monoecious is just a fancy word with way too many vowels. That, that just means a species has separate male and female flowers on the same plant. Uh, in hazel, this is really, really special to see. You can spot a hazel from a mile off at this time of year because they're absolutely covered in yellow caterpillar-like catkins. And these are made up of more than 200 male flowers, all packed together into this little caterpillar thing and stuffed full of pollen. And they dangle around and when there's a breeze, the pollen gets blown into the air. Okay, so I've made it to the hazel that I found the other day. It's covered in catkins, and I'm just looking for 
the really special thing about hazel, which is the female flower. Ah, oh, here you go. Oh, wow. They're everywhere now. <laughs> okay, so if you've never seen one of these before, then you absolutely must go and look for them because they're just the best. The only way to describe them really is as like botanical sea anemones. They're this beautiful deep red color and their tentacles, one's a better word, uh, which are actually the reproductive surfaces that catch the windblown pollen. They sort of protrude from the tip of some of the buds on the twigs, like these little tufts. And they're really, really, really small, only a few millimeters tall. So they're very easy to miss. But as soon as you spot one for the first time, it's absolutely amazing. They're so brilliant. One of my favorite things about this time of year. Okay, let's go down this little path, which takes me through to the edge of the water. It's normally so squelchy here, uh, but today the ground is frozen solid and there's ice everywhere. <laughs> really hope I don't fall over though, that would be pretty embarrassing. Okay. So I just walked out onto the meadow. It's this great big wide open floodplain, big water meadow surrounded by ditches of reeds and willows. It's this wonderful great big expanse. Lots of water reflecting the sky. No footprints in the frost yet. On the horizon, as well as the willows, you've got a bunch of ash trees with their very distinctive domed crown and lower branches that sort of sweep down and flick up again at the ends. And they're silhouetted really nicely against the dawn sky, which is now painted beautifully with streaks of orange. And there's a little bit of cloud around the edge still, which now lit up pink. <laughs> it's gonna be so beautiful. And there's that wonderful crunching sound as my boots go through the ice and the frost. And the bird song at the moment is absolutely amazing. I don't know if you can hear any of it, probably not because I'm just recording this on my phone. But there are lots of blackbirds, uh, the occasional robin. Uh, there are pied wagtails around, hopping and scuttling on the ice that's formed around the edge of the water. some chaffinches and the swans and the geese. In the spring, this meadow is going to be absolutely amazing. Just full of floodplain wildflowers. I can't wait. It's going to be a cuckoo flower, ragged robin, fritillaries. These plants have evolved to cope with annual winter flooding like this. Uh, so the fact the soil is currently waterlogged isn't actually a problem for them because uh, there's plenty of oxygen in the cold soil. It's when uh, you get out of season flooding, uh, when the soil is warm and doesn't contain much oxygen, that's when it's uh, much more of a problem for them. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> okay, I feel like this is a good place to watch as the sun comes up. So I'm going to leave you at this point, but definitely get out and go and look for hazel flowers if you can. I really, really recommend that. And go and look at the other trees too while you're at it. There's so much colour to be found in the twigs and buds at this time of year. 
It's really special. Honestly, winter trees are so worth your time. They utterly transform a winter walk. So yeah, go pair at the trees and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Leif. And that's all for this episode. Don't forget that Wildflower Hour runs every Sunday between 8 and 9pm on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just post photos of the plants you've found in the past week in Britain and Ireland using the hashtag Wildflower Hour. And if you don't know what the plant is, add the hashtag Wildflower ID and a friendly botanist will come along and help. Wildflower Hour works with and supports the Botanical Society of Britain and Ireland, Plant Life, the Wildlife Trusts and the Wildflower Society, as well as many other organisations and campaigns. Do get in touch if you'd like to help spread the word about our incredible native flora and see you on Sunday for the next Wildflower Hour. Thanks for listening. <laughs>